The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. We have a podcast to do. We fact we have the Shaken and Stirred podcast to do. The Shaken and Stirred show. Welcome back. I'm Nigel Barker in New York. My co-host Tom Astor has his mouth full of food, which oh. is not shocking, not surprising. Normally it's a drink, but I think he actually needs to eat something today. Mm. Tommy boy, how are you? Mouth I know. Food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's alternating. Food, drink, drink. Food, drink, drink, food. drink, food, food, drink. drink. Yeah, yeah. No weather, no weather update this week? Weather. The English weather. We have weather and a climate. The weather has been so sort of crap for about two weeks. We're in the, I mean, we're in the middle of July. And tomorrow, it's breaking. Tomorrow we have a, a, we're so excited. We've got like a week of 25 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit and sunshine. And we're just we're just beside ourselves with joy and excitement. Well, after what you know, England just did in the in the in the football in the soccer. Um, I think you need a little break in the weather, to say the very least. I thank God can't stand football or soccer and didn't watch it and couldn't care less. Well, there you go. There you have it. What are you drinking? On that note. Well, because of the sunshine that's arriving tomorrow, um, your goddaughter or my daughter. Uh, currently works at a place called Dalesford, which is a which is a fa- fabulous farm shop down the road, organic place down the road, and they also have a vineyard in, in the south of France. And I am I, I, I rang her tonight. So I was doing a podcast with you, and I said it's going to be sunny tomorrow, so let's get in the mood. So she came over after work and bought me a bottle of their rosé, their Liu, which I believe you're familiar with. Oh yes. Organic, it's delicious. Organic, it's probably the, one of the best roses you can buy. And um, she bought me a, a couple of bottles. And as you can tell from the sound of my voice, this is the, the second one. <laughs> we were <laughs> the other one's gone anyway. So I thought, no cocktails tonight, just and I thought, spritz, so I could make it in a spritz. I put a bit of fizzy water in it, but why dilute it? It's so delicious. Um, and um, yeah, so that's what I'm drinking tonight. I'm just going with that because the, but the sun is on its way. How about you? Look at that. Look at this. Oh. Chichi Organico. Chichi Organico. Come on. I mean, have you ever heard of a Chichi Organico, Tom? Like it looks a like a pina colada. It sounds like a pina colada. It smells like a pina colada. It's from our friend, bartender um, H. H. Joseph Ehrman. Do you remember H? So H. Uh, comes from Fresh Victor, makes all those, you know, the mixes in a, in a bottle and all the rest of it. He's also going to be a part of our Destination Drinks, which everyone out there, if you haven't checked out Destination Drinks, we've launched our first one on social media. And they, it's where we take people all around the world on to, to have a cocktail that's a specialty from that place, made by some of the best bartenders in the business. Um, and we, we currently have one out there uh, from, in fact, my goddaughter, Tom's daughter's uh, boyfriend. Um, and he made a rather de- delicious aviator, or aviation, I think he called it. X. But, um, X. X, bit awkward, bit awkward. Oh, that X, one. Oh, bit awkward. X. You see, it's the problem with the, with the young people these days. It's uh, you know, a boyfriend one day and X the next. Well, no, no, I think just like X. I think she's something you know, else. No, that that kind would imply that there's some promiscuity going on um, with your goddaughter, which is not the case at all. 
to hear it, Tom. Let's get back onto my cocktail before we. I don't want to get any any down any rabbit hole with my goddaughter. For goodness' sake. Um, anyway, H. Joseph Ehrman, he created this coconutty concoction, and the the sort of the what really makes the big difference between it and a pina colada is that it's made with a, vog, a vodka, basically, a pineapple-infused vodka, an organic vodka, nonetheless. That's why it's called the Chichi Organico. Um, I guess he came up with that name as well. But it's kind of fun. You get an, an organic vodka. Uh, in this case, I use Square One organic vodka. Now, he recommended, and I, I was able to get it from my local um, store, a piece of dried uh, pineapple, which you then leave in the vodka and it infuses. I love this. I've done this before with tea bags where you put, you know, a herbal tea bag in vodka and infuse the vodka. So I did it with a piece of pineapple and it really worked. The dried pineapple contains so much flavor. I then actually um, ground up half a, an ounce of actual pineapple puree. Uh, and that goes in with Coco Lopez, which is not the same as coconut water, people, not the same as coconut milk. Coco Lopez is that sweet traditional mixer full of sugar, not very good for you, bloody delicious half an ounce of heavy cream a dash of angostura bitters and uh you're off to the races and it's delicious so cheers here you go cheers and where, sorry, cheers. And where, sorry where can you drink this because you're clearly not going to make this at home are you? i mean like i think I, I just made this well see i know but you know think about it it's, well, it's you've got nothing else to do most people have got like busy lives and stuff you're just sitting up there in the bringing upstate new york to, wondering you know okay well let's make a cut let's spend all afternoon making a cocktail i mean no people haven't got a time to it so where can you buy this cocktail that you're drinking I'm not sure you can buy it anyway. You have to bloody well make it at home or go and meet H. So, guys, before we move on to our wonderful guest, we've got some booze news for you all. Booze news. Check this out for some booze news. Drunk buffaloes lead Indian authorities to illegal liquor stash. Dun, dun, dun. Can you imagine it? A herd of um, completely drunk buffalo in India. How do you know that a buffalo is drunk is the question. Well, apparently they were sort of literally falling around, falling over, getting up, frothing at the mouth, refusing to eat, being really right. obstinate, banging sounds into like, things. Sounds like, sounds like Newcastle upon time, which is a place in the northeast of England on a Saturday night. On a Saturday night, but except without the buffalo. Yeah, well, I know. Or perhaps, or there you go. I didn't say that, people, Newcastle. I love a good Newcastle, whatever you call them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you know, the, the police, ironically, went to have a look at where these buffalo had come from. They belonged to these um, farmers. And it, it turns out that they had an illegal stash of whiskey and rum and vodka and other flavoured spirits uh, basically underneath the water troughs. They were keeping them and several of them had broken and got into the water of the buffalo. The buffalo then consumed the alcoholic water, got absolutely pissed and ran around the town, you know, causing havoc, which drew their attention and led to um, these gentlemen, three brothers, all getting arrested and... Uh, you know, the, it's, the the word on the street is the buffaloes are having slept it off are fine, yet the three brothers are going to be feeling the ramifications of this particular adventure for many years to come because it's illegal to traffic alcohol in this part of India. So there you have it, people. Booze news. Our guest today is a British model, an actress, a singer, a dancer 
whom I first met during cycle 18 of America's Next Top Model. That's right, people, all stars. This is the very first guest on The Shaken and Stirred Show. He has been a contestant on America's Next Top Model. I've never had anybody. You are the very first, which is pretty important. Um, and by the way, uh, cycle 18 was also my last cycle. So this particular guest is also the responsible for the demise of my entire career. <laughs> might be the reason why she's the first person on, but she's on nonetheless. Um, hey, it's so exciting to have Sophie Sumner. Sophie, how are you? Oh my gosh, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> that wave of an intro that went up and down, but I'm so good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Fantastic. It's so good to see you, Sophie. And I'm joking apart, obviously, you know, that that's such a long, long time ago, 2012. What an extraordinary, we're going to get to that. But before we get there, what are you drinking right now? I know it's, I just had a look at it, but what, what is it? Oh my gosh, it is so exotic. It is a whiskey glass filled with Coke and a pink umbrella. And guys, we're talking Coca-Cola. I know she's a model. I know she comes from the fashion <laughs> business, but it's not what you think. Because I mean, you know, this is a podcast and you can't necessarily see. <laughs> um, it, it is just straight up Coca-Cola. It came out of a red can. <laughs> I saw it. Um, and, and I got that, all fancy, though, with the umbrella. I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> Sophie found some umbrellas underneath her sofa. Uh, don't ask any questions. But, um, you know, she li lives the fast life, clearly. Sophie, where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Manhattan. I'm in New York. Lovely. Is this your apartment? Where are you in? You have this sort of very colourful background with big leaves. It's pink and there's a, a mannequin half body next to you. What, what is this? I do. So actually, funny you ask, uh, I, I host for Amazon. I do live streams at Amazon um, and I've got a few on this week and I finally got around to building a studio in my apartment. So I'm actually super impressed that I managed to build this and put this together. Um, and it's even, this isn't even, so this backdrop is kind of banana leaves and pink. It's kind of like Beverly Hills Hotel-esque vibes I was going for. Um, but it's not even taped up. I, I hung it. I got command strips and hung, like, this is very wow. exciting. Did you come up with the, did you come up with the concept? I mean, have you, are you start to finish? Is that your idea? Are you the art it's, director? Yes, I did this all. That's great. It looks wonderful. It's very good. I was, I was the handyman. I, I, I was the designer. Do you remember changing rooms? I was like Lawrence Lewin Bowen, whatever his name was. Wow. Changing you were all of God, Most Americans listening to this won't actually conjure up the image that I just conjured up. Which is they should definitely, if you are in America and you haven't, you must Google him. He was quite a character on British television. Yeah. Sophie, did you light it as well? Did you light the set? You're incredibly well lit. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. I'm actually, I'm interviewing, I'm going tomorrow to interview uh, Diane von Furstenberg. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have something that's like lit up really well. The only problem is, is that I have air conditioning that's very loud and it is really hot in New York at the moment. And these lights are really hot. So I might actually, considering this is a podcast, turn the lights off. Stop <laughs> melting. So interesting you should say that because I can actually see that you're beginning to get a little shiny on your cheeks and your forehead and your and you know 
everyone out there, there's a funny story, America's Next Top Model story. And I'm Sophie, I'm not sure if you remember this or whether it affected you specifically. But you know, on Top Model, we would shoot all over the world, right? So and all over these crazy locations, well, it would get bloody hot in the studios, because a lot of the time, we weren't in studios, we were in rooms, houses, apartments, whatever, like hotels, fancy locations, but they didn't, they weren't sound stages. So we'd have to actually turn the air conditioning off, which is what Sophie just talked about, because of the, you know, it would affect the audio. So the hot lights would be so crazy. So for all of you that saw us sitting there at the desks, half the time we were sitting behind that panel, we were wearing suits and smart clothes from the waist mm. up, but from the waist down, sometimes we were wearing as little as our underwear and flip-flops. So it was like business on top and party on the bottom. And no one had any idea. No one- the No, you won. You're yes, you are you joking? No, I'm not joking. You were all sat there pantless when you not were judging. Always, often, oftentimes <laughs> pantless. So now you have a completely different vision of the judges on America's Next Top Model sitting there where down below, not always, but occasionally in certain destinations, it was known where it would happen where people were like, I can't do this anymore. And they were just, we were just like, literally it was like the fashion mullet was business on top and party on the bottom. Nigel, I would go into those like uh, those judging things and we would be absolutely terrified. We would, first of all, I'd love to know because we would wait in the waiting room for like four hours before we got to judging, which I always wonder what the judges were doing in this time where we were, and we were, the judging rooms were like quite elaborate and beautiful sets. And then the room we waited in was like, I, and there's about four chairs, 13 girls. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like some sort of brutal torture. I, I mean, you know, obviously, I don't know. I don't. I, funny thing is, is I was never really in the a part of that loop. I never really knew how or why or what was happening. With they kept us in the dark as to what was happening in order to keep some separation. Uh, and I also didn't show up because I didn't have clearly. I don't have any hair to do. Uh, there wasn't a lot of makeup. So I would show up very sort of last minute and all the rest of it. But before we kind of jump into all of this, I, I you know, because clearly there's so much one could talk about for Top Model. I'd love to know about you. You, you, you come from Oxford. By the way, Tom, you're in Oxford right now. This is where Not Tom far is. Away. Chip, Chipping Norton. Oh my gosh, I know Chipping Norton so well. Yeah. yeah, I'm Woodstock. Yeah, there we go. So well, I'm near Chipping Norton, I'm near Churchill. Yeah, I'm about 10 minutes away from Woodstock. As you oh, speak. Yeah. And I, I I'm in Woodstock. Woodstock. No, you're not. You... The other Woodstock. Oh, you're New York Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. I am at Churchill, exactly in Oxfordshire, not far away from where you exactly where you come from, right? Oh, that yeah, that's so close. Oh, that makes me feel so nice. I mean, I haven't been home in like a year and a half, and so that's really that's nice. It feels like a little hug. Does that give? Does that make you homesick or relieved? That's... No, homes are definitely homesick. There's a big, uh, the, it's funny, the longer that I spend in America, the more I realize the cult, there is a big culture shock and there's very different attitudes. And I think especially in New York, New York is so fast and driven and achieve and go and do more. And, you know, it's, it's pretty relentless. Um, and the city's just fast. But then when, and when I go home, I mean, I'm like a country girl from Oxford, born and bred. So like, I, I need that. And having been here a year and a half now, I'm like, I mean, I've been in New York for eight years, but you know, because of like what's been happening. Um, I'm I'm definitely ready to go and go and ride oh, some bikes around Oxford. I know, and you know that thing, that English thing it's been it's been atrocious, it's been kind of overcast slightly rain for the last two weeks. And we're in the middle of July now, where everyone's been like, yeah, come on. 
play English summer, but tomorrow, this is why, this is why I'm bringing Rose, Rose in. Tomorrow, <laughs> sun is coming out. There's got at least six days of like 25 degrees of sunshine. You know, one of those English summer moments where you're just like, okay, all right, all right, you know, that's it. And prob that probably might be the, you never know, it might be the summer, yeah? Might be the whole thing, but. And everyone and runs outside for three seconds and everyone yeah. freezes and they're like, yeah. done! And then it goes again. <laughs> Everyone gets pink. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Take anyway. us back. Sophie, take us back. What was your, go all the way back. I mean, you, you say you're from Oxford. You were born, were you born there? What was it like for you? What was a little Sophie? What were you, you know, I'm just curious to know how you grew up and in what kind of circumstance. Oh, little, little Sophie was super, super lucky. I was born in Oxford. I grew up in Oxford. I went to a very, very precious little primary school where they taught you how to sew and cook and, you know, everything was hunky-dory and nothing went wrong. <laughs> but it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful school. Um, and I grew up with guinea pigs and hamsters and I had a little pony. Like, I was a very, very happy child. Actually, I, I had 14 hamsters. I had quite a few hamsters. I also had... I probably shouldn't say this. It makes me sound extremely um, kind of bratty and entitled, but I had 14 nannies, <laughs> which, were, <laughs> which were from all different. It was amazing. We had like live in au pairs from Australia and Germany. So uh, my parents were both working. My, my dad's a television director and my mom, they both work at the BBC and uh, well, they met at the BBC um, in news when like news at Channel 4 was like, yeah, sorry, BBC News at 10 was like a big thing and stuff. Um, and and so, where was I going with that? Yeah, we, um, I had, so I had 14, 14 nannies. 14 nannies, might have been a few less hamsters actually, but but it was great. So I got, I had all these, you know, I learned from so many different nationalities and, and cultures growing up, which was great. Cause I've, I have two half sisters, but they're 14 years older. So I was kind of like a very weird, in my family, I'm, I was like one of a kind. So I was always hanging out with older people. Um, 14. I mean, I look, I grew up with, I had a, a nanny as well and all the rest of it. And in fact, Tom's nickname for my wife is in fact, Nanny. Um, <laughs> it's a whole other story. Um, but, you know, you grew up with 14. <laughs> Why was that? Because they couldn't stand working with you or dealing with no, you? No! What was the not. turnover about? I was a super chill kid. My parents used to take me to the pub. They would, one time they left me in a pub. Like I was a very, um, I was very relaxed, easygoing kid. I used to, when they would have drinks parties, I would stay up and they let me watch Rocky Horror and we had it on VHS. And I got right to the middle bit where they then put it away from me because it's when that, that like strange sex scene happened. <laughs> I knew at like five years old, all of Columbia's, you know, when she's like, I was walking down the street just having a drink when the sneak of a guy gave me an evil wink, that one. I still know. Um, but yeah, I think the nannies, honestly, a lot of them were like summer programs. So they would have like two months or something. Um, uh, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> So they were au pairs. So you, you, you know, growing up with your parents then in, in sort of television and what have you and, and, and working, was that something where you felt, I mean, look, clearly your career has gone into media, has gone into entertainment. Did you know early on that was where you were headed? Uh, yeah, you know what? So, so I used to go after school. Um, most days I had this like taxi guy, this proper kind of East End guy in Oxford. And he picked me up. His name was Keith. And he'd drive me to my mum by then and moved to the local news when we had, you know, uh, like it was this Meridian. 
you guys know it. Um, and um, and I would go and sit. She was in graphics. So I would sit in the graphics room and everyone was so nice to me. And the presenters would buy me sweets. And they used to let me read the auto cue. And so much of my, I think in America, it's prompt. So much of my work now, I like, I, I, I actually really love prompt, whereas some people kind of don't like it. Um, but I, I loved the people. I've always just loved being around people and working with, you know, and, and everyone comes together and makes this. And I don't know, there was just something, there was something so cool when they went live and, and it was all very frantic. And so I, so I, I, I yeah, I would, um, I would do that every night um, after school. So definitely, I think it, I didn't, yeah, I get, but in all honesty, I mean, you know, at school, they kind of ask you at 15, they're like, what do you want to do? You want to go to university? And I was set to go to university before Britain's Next Top Model happened to study drama. But I, I had no idea. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew that I had good friends and that I was rubbish at maths and I was rubbish at chemistry. But it's hard, right? It's, 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 I, just, I just like being around people. Now, hang on a minute. Definition, sorry, that def, were you at Headington School? Were you, Headington, yeah. Okay, so your definition of being rubbish at maths and rubbish at chemistry is, is most people's definition of being just a slightly below scholar, scholar level. <laughs> Headington doesn't have pupils that can't do maths and chemistry, so I think you're being sort of not disingenuous, but slightly not giving yourself enough credit. I mean, Headington's oh. a very, it's a hard, but I mean, Headington, the school you went to is a very, um, got a reputation of being very, um, I mean, it's a it's a hard, you know, it's an academic school, right? I mean, it's it, it, it's 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 kind of you don't go there for because it's an easy place to sit around and like have fun and then drop out and whatever. I mean, it's a place you go to because you know you've got a brain and, and you're gonna and you're kind of gonna use it, right? I mean, that's yeah. the idea. That's so. You know what? That's so funny you said that. I. So when I first went to Headington, I did boarding school, which was an absolute blast. And I remember the house mistresses like, used to, we were in an old Victorian house and we had, they called them rat runs that you had. Um, so you could, you were meant to go to bed at 8.45 and we were like 13, so that is quite early. And, um, oh, I forgot about this story. And, and the house mistress and they'd all kind of have drinks downstairs, but you weren't allowed to go downstairs or anything like that. And in my first year, the girls in the year above you, obviously it was like St. Trinian's. You kind of like, you looked up to and I was terrified of them. And one of the girls in the year above decided we were going to revolt against the house. And so we just destroyed this house. I mean, when I say destroyed, I mean like, it, it really is something at St. Trinian's. Like we had, like we put like toothpaste on the thingies and hung our underwear out the window and, um, but yeah, I did uh, I did boarding at Headington for a year. And then actually there's a school called Charwell School, which is the local school in Oxford. Uh, so a school that you, it's not a private school, school you don't pay for. And I went there at um, 16 and that was the most amazing change. I mean, the most amazing decision, but I went from, it was just before my GCSE, so I was 15. So I went from being at Headington where you're right, everything was academic. And to be deadly honest, they weren't gonna let you fail your coursework, right? I don't, the teachers didn't do your homework, but it was very, you know, they, they, the, the school wanted to keep up the good grades. And, and I went to the local school and they didn't have any room for me in any of the sets. So I went straight into the bottom sets. Um, and, and I guess you would say, so I'm like this little kind of privately school educated girl. And I was suddenly in with, I, the, the nicest way to put it is like slightly more rougher kids. And uh, and I and I befriended them all, and I was just uh, <laughs> just 
kind of got on with it really but I, like in that class there was this kid that used to like throw chairs at the teachers so I really had a full-on like ah! <laughs> like what just happened but it was great I think it made me reasonably rounded I hope I was going to say that kind of thing can also I mean have a crazy effect on a child too because no doubt your education and that time of your life is a majorly important part of your of your life did you you had friends who were at previous school who didn't understand what why you were moving or did they were they were you okay with it were you emotionally okay with it no every, no everyone was everyone was great it was um everyone was really good um, but it is, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it was, it was a weird, tough time to move. I don't know. I, I'm like a universe girl, so forgive me, but I'm, I, I, there was definitely a reason for that. And in the end, the, the, the local school was incredible. And it, it, you know, in the private school, I remember they would do, they had drama, um, you know, the theater, they actually had a theater at Headington, like beautiful big theater. And I'd audition every year and I never got anything, like not a walk on, not an extra, nothing. And I, and you know, when you're that age, like it makes you feel so rough and so small and so and it was always the same like girls that got the part and I went to um when I went to Chawa the local school um I I it really built up my confidence and there was an amazing acting teacher and he used to go and take us to I it, Headington I didn't realize that you didn't have to go to university and I also thought it was just like Andrew Lloyd Webber you know you'd go and watch and this acting teacher like really opened up to there's something called Furza Bruta which is out there still and Punch Drunk which are like amazing productions um, and he really built my confidence. And in my final year, I got uh, the lead part in the school play. Um, so it did, that school did, it, it was so great to go somewhere where they were like, no, you don't have to go to university. I was like, you don't have to go to university? I thought you had to go. It, you know, it kind of really opened up the real world, I think. There. But it's funny. I'll, I mean, I'll forever be grateful to the teachers at that school. So, you know, I mean, look, it's funny because both Tom and I, we went to school together. So we went to a boarding school for... Oh! Bryanston. We've been friends since we were 14. So we very much kind of understand, you know, in a way, this sort of traditionally English private boarding school environment to some extent, which a lot of people in the world don't obviously have any idea of. They only see it, hear about it on, you know, films, television, mm. books and what have you. And, you know, you mentioned it sort of, you know, just the way you talked about it, you know, the sort of antics that you got up to when you were at private school. Are there any moments from school that were particularly just stuck out, like special kind of, I don't know, crazy things that happened at school that for you defined your childhood when you were at boarding school, specifically boarding school moments? You know what we did do? This was wild. If we're going on more of, um, this is less a defining, but more uh, just a, a, a crazy story that's a nigel it's a lovely looking pina colada kind of milkshake thing Thank that you. you've got it's the chichi organico it's a oh. vodka it's a vodka pina colada basically oh wonderful chichi that's cool um we so one when we were in the boarding house and bearing in mind when you're 13 or 14 and you're kind of boarding and, and this was a very um I say religious school, I, I, I just strict school, I think, or, you know, they, it was all, like I said, the early bedtimes and blah, blah, blah. And me and my friend decided that we were going to, I remember her, her name is Victoria Moi, and she was very big on MySpace at the time, and she went by the name Botox Bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> 15, 14, however old we were. And so we, we ran around and we took our spray deodorant and we sprayed, but I actually wasn't a naughty kid. I really wasn't spraying the naughtiest thing I did, but sprayed the fire alarms 
and the fire alarms went off and we all had to go outside and, you know, line up and then they do the thingy. And, and me and Vicky were like, Hee! and the next day we, so we had this old dining room with these kind of benches. And I remember it vividly, the girls were like whispering and it was kind of like a Chinese whispers and it got closer to us. And it turned out that when they had done the checklist, a girl was missing and then it turned out that she was shagging somebody in the drama department, a drama teacher. <laughs> a teacher, no less. <laughs> a teacher. Um, so that wow. was the big gossip. And me and Vicky were like, <laughs> probably did. Just we uh, uncovered that one. So uh, whoops a daisy, moving on. <laughs> whoops a daisy, did she have to leave the school? Was she expelled for that? <laughs> it was right before GCSE. So she was, she was a 16, which was a big thing, obviously. Um, but she wasn't invited back for sixth form and he also wasn't invited back. I tell you what we did do as well. This was really silly. We, so we had baby G watches. Uh, the, they, they were these kind of, I think they're still around these, I'd say cool watches, which came in different colors. And then, um, they lit up and had a running man. Do you remember these watches, baby G? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we all set our alarms in our biology class because we had quite a good looking teacher at the same time. And when that happened, everyone in the class, our, our, all our baby G's went off and we all dropped a pencil. And then 30 seconds later, it went off again. And we all like, <laughs> like took off our sweaters and just did this stupid thing to this poor, like looking back, he was probably like 25 or 26, this guy. Um, but we thought were, we were, you, were you flashed him or you? What, what, what? No, we had a very, we had a school uniform, which was like a V-neck with a, a dark blue V-neck with a light blue button up underneath. And we just took off the V-neck. So it was nothing you know, crazy. I just, like, retelling the story, I just realised how odd we were, possibly quite bored, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, there's, it's, you know, school is full of those sort of crazy, crazy things that you do, the, the wildest, <laughs> the weirdest, of things, especially at the boarding schools. I mean, I don't know, I, I think I probably have just literally hundreds yeah. of stories like that. Mm. What's that, Tom? I said, especially in the library night. In the library. Yes. What well, did you do? Um, what, what didn't I do in the library? I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, I wasn't there necessarily reading very much in the library. You know, what, was this what a... I don't know. It's common now. It's on. Out of it. We've already, we've already said what happens in the library. We've been down this on another podcast. Essentially, um, you know, I, I punched my library card a few times in the library. I think it's all it. Is that what it's called? Punch my library card. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you do with the library card? I mean, there you go. But um, I was going to tell a different story, actually, Tom. But anyway, that's fine. Oh, yeah. you on that particular rabbit, I'm trying to embarrass me. You see, we go, we do this. We go back and forth. That's oh. You know. Um, it's British banter. It, it, you know, we had a kid at school who was terrified of spiders. And he, I used to work, it won't work. I used to have a hobby. One of my hobbies was the reptile club. So I used to love, wow. I still do, I love animals. And we had all these crazy snakes and pythons and tarantulas and all that kind of stuff. And this one kid was a bit of a bully, but he was scared of, of, of tarantulas. And he was bullying this other kid in our dorm. And we decided actually one way we could sort of stop this was if we actually got the tarantula, because the tarantula will remove itself from the body and leave a complete 
sort of eco sort of shell of its body, echo skeleton of its body, and it, and it's a perfect replica of the tarantula. It just has a little flap at the top, so you think it looks it's an actual tarantula. It's not. It's just a shell, right? Like a snake shedding oh, its skin. So we took this whole body, which was perfect, of a giant tarantula. And he put it in this guy's um, drawer in his desk. And in the middle of study, he just opened his drawer. And this big guy saw it, freaked out, screamed as loud and as high-pitched as you could possibly imagine, jumped up onto a chair on his desk, then wet himself and started crying. And it was, it was more, way more than any of us had expected was going to happen. We all felt terrible. Um, and at the same time... It was like this guy was like he, he could no longer be the bully in the room, and it was it was you know several of us who had caused this to happen. So I've always felt really guilty about that particular moment, taking it way too far. But at the same yeah, time, that's I, terrible. I had no idea that that was going to be the reaction. I was like, oh my god, like you know, you know, just sort of like because we were not scared at all. We had no idea that his fear was <laughs> of that level of fear. We just thought he would be like ah, you know what I mean? It would be a scare. We had no idea that it would be that you know. By the way, several of our guests know you and say nothing but great things about you. And it's funny, you know, there are so many people who, I, you know, we came across on America's Next Model contestants and what have you, went on to do certain things. But you are someone, your name comes up more often than almost anybody else who ever was on the show that, but, but who are directly connected to people who I love and who I know. So it's it's funny because you know obviously I've you know you and I have seen each other hung out once in a while over the past few years not a lot but just once in a while at a party or something but you know a lot of people who I know um, and that's it's a, a couple so of funny. So what's your connection with James Marshall the the adventurer? <laughs> oh my gosh, what is my connection with James? Do you know I've known this is kind of my story with everyone. I think I think this goes back to me being a maybe like an only child and and all these different schooling is that I, I like I said I just really love people I must have met James seven years ago no idea how we met he'll probably re remember um but we we've done some hosting gigs together since and we've been on holiday together we went to Puerto Rico to didn't know we did yeah we did Dorado Puerto Rico we've been to um the Bahamas together so we I don't know how we met. It was terrible. You were never dating. I ba barely, we never dated. No, I think he tried right at the beginning. And I was like, slow down, son. No, <laughs> not his one. Yeah, Jimmy boy. <laughs> so we, he's made out with quite a few of my friends. But uh, no, we have never. <laughs> there you go. Another great Brit right there, James Marshall. James Brit Marshall, even. Um, well, I, yeah, I'm sorry about that. But at least you guys are still friends. So that's all good. Um, it was great. Yeah, I texted him earlier. He was like, oh, that's so exciting. You're going on Nitro. Above ah. me talks like this. He's like, oh, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I don't know why he talks like that. Sometimes he talks. He doesn't always talk like that. That's the other funny thing with him. It's so true. I've, it's very true. I've heard him talk different in different ways and different styles, depending on who the audience is. Um, hey, James, we have to have a word about that. Um, look, you, you, all, all of those things happen to you. You, you, you know, you, I, you know, I, it's this sort of decision to go on a modeling show, like, because it totally sort of, in a way, affected the whole of your life, you know, and, and, you know, you and I have similar stories, because I don't know if you know this, but my career, I started by being on a modeling show in 1989, mm. called The Clothes Show. So do you remember? The I, did, I had no idea. 
Yeah, so I, with Jeff Banks. Chemistry. Sorry. And I also studied chemistry. There you go. I was actually <laughs> failed chemistry. Failed chemistry. I did not fail chemistry. What are you talking about? I got a B. I right? did. Jeff Banks, who did the miniskirt. Yes, yes, Jeff Banks. Oh, I met him once. Wow. So he was the host of a show called The Clothes Show in the 80s. And it was, the, they happened to host a model search in 89. And I, it was uh, on TV on, I forget it what channel, it was ITV or something like that, whenever the show was on. And um, I didn't win, but I was in the top three. But it got me, a, oh, wow. it started off my career in modeling, which changed my, I was meant to go to, you know, do other stuff, go to medical school, whatever I wanted to do. That was the way oh. I wanted to do. That didn't happen. You know, none of, no college, nothing ever happened. And I, I ended up becoming a model, changing my life. You got onto Britain's Next Top Model. You didn't win. You came fifth, right? But you became a character. People Second. You were second. Mm. Second even. Okay. <laughs> right in there. But, but then you go, go on to win America's Next Top Model, All Stars. For a while, that must have been a large part of your life. What was that? Tell us, take us back there for a moment, because I'm curious. Because I remember, for me even, and it was like 34, 50, I don't know, 35 years ago. But, you know, what was it like for you at that point? What, did you just see your life ahead of you, or were you just taking it day by day? And what was that experience like? You know, I had no idea. I'd studied, I'd applied to, I actually applied for Britain. My, I applied for Britain, or no, I think my friend applied me for Britain's Next Top Model, and I didn't get in the first time, and I would have just been coming out of school, and then I was on a gap year, and I applied then. So my friend put me forward the first time, and then I applied the second time, and I got on the second time, but I was meant to be going to Exeter to study drama at university. And, um, and I, I've been doing kind of modelling on-off since I was 15, but nothing really big, like... I was from Oxford. I was in a small town. I didn't want to have to get the train on my own to London. I didn't understand the fashion world. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, it was very skinny back then. And I, I remember at 15, they were like, oh, you're kind of hippie. And, you know, so, but I just, it, it's funny. I just didn't, I just didn't get the world at all. Um, but I would turn up and do the odd shoot and blah, blah, blah. And then, so when my friend put me forward for Britons, it, I, I don't, I honestly, I feel like I just say yes to experiences. And that sounds really awful. I didn't, I don't think I wanted to actually be a huge model. God, no, because I had no, I didn't have the confidence. There was no way I thought I was, you know, pretty enough or cool enough or skinny enough or, but, but I was saying yes to the experience of doing the show. And I think weirdly looking back, um, having spent all that time, my parents on, on set and stuff, I was always so fascinated with how they put the show together behind the scenes. I was far more fascinated in production than I was in, um, in being on the show. And I think that actually happened in America's Next Front Model. They held, someone told me they held a meeting and they were like, production needs to stop talking to Sophie. Because I'd be like, so what, you know, what's going on, blah, blah. And actually now, I, wait, I just recently, some of the girls added me into a Facebook message group, but um, I've stayed in contact with like a lot of producers, you know, and kind of behind the scenes. But anyway, but yeah, so going back, but it was interesting because don't forget Britain's Next Time Model God was about 10, 11 years ago and reality TV wasn't accepted. The fashion world wasn't accepting it. Um, you know, Instagram wasn't a thing. So 
I my I had a I have a friend who's who's an actress who was signed to Storm Models, and she put me in contact after I finished filming Britons and came second with Storm, and they signed me. But people they didn't really want to. People didn't want to touch reality, um, and um, and then from um, from Storm, I got contacted by America's Next Model. What was I going to say about? Um, yeah, from Storm, I got a contacted by America's Next Top Model. And I was like, oh, cool. They want me to judge this show. Great. Awesome. <laughs> That's what I thought in my head was going to happen. Uh, and, and then they offered to kind of, and I, I really thought about it. I was really unsure of whether to do it again. Oh, that's what I was going to say, because on Britain's next top model, I'm a pretty easygoing person. I love life. I'm pretty happy. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't get like too stressed out about things. Um, but I remembered the producers were like, oh, can you kind of do this? And I trusted these people and I was 18 and I was like, oh, you want me to say that? Sure. And in, and, 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 and there were spicy comments or whatever. And when I watch it back, like I was definitely like the, um, like the kind of bitch in, in, in Britain's Next Top Model, like definitely more along the, um, so I learned that lesson. I thought, you know, because I, when you do like the one-on-ones and stuff, they, they kind of catch you up for the day and they'll be like, oh, so-and-so said this about you. What do you think? And you would kind of say something. They're like, mm, I don't know if you thought that. Do you think this? And I was like, yeah, I thought that. Like I, I just kind of like played the game without even realizing I was playing a game in a way um but yeah so and then um went on to America's which was actually I, I was hesitant I really mm-hmm. was but it was an amazing really incredible 100 and you know 360 180 sorry from what Britain's was like completely different show it, 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 was it better oh my gosh the production value was huge um, the sets we were turning up on, we did a shoot with Kylie and Kendall. Um, you know, we, we you weren't allowed to talk to the crew at all in America's Next Top Model. In Britain, we would sit and have takeout with the crew. Uh, before you w- go on to America's Next Top Model, they like keep you in a hotel room for a week and kind of like, I don't know, really kind of psych you out. I, I'm not quite sure. We were, you're, you're not allowed to leave this hotel room, but they would deliver you. Oh, this is a good story. So they would deliver you... Um, food and stuff into your hotel room and I complained so much because I was like guys I really it'd be really nice just to have like one glass of wine a night just one glass and I actually managed to get my um request right up to the powers that be like oh god Dana I think and and um and uh, that lot and I was like I I really need this glass of wine a night so I was the first girl in 18 seasons with you know each I think they kept 100 people each time so that's 2,000 girls who every night got walked downstairs to the hotel bar, picked up my glass of wine and went back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, there you go. Shaking and stirring it from the early ages. America's 21. Funny. That is so funny. Did they buy it for you? Did you have to buy it yourself? Well, uh, that's a good point. No, I think they they might. I might have got lucky on that one. But that was another thing. In Britain's, it was like, I don't know, the budget, you, you didn't really think about it. In America's, we had to like provide a shopping list of what we wanted. And I got, I did get wine on that one. Um, And uh, yeah, it was just, we had one person, this is weird actually, I wonder why they did this. We had one person on America's Next Top Model looking after 14 girls, a lady called Vanika, poor girl, stressed out of her mind. And then on America, on Britain, we had at any time four, I think, looking after us. 
So like the production value on, on America's is huge. There's so many people. We turned up to do that, some a dance thing. And it was like at the studio that like Britney was at and we closed down the whole studio and, you know, and there were cameras everywhere. And, and um, in Britain's, it was like a few old cameras and, you know, kind of quite a British crew. We would take out at the end of the night. It was a bit, it was more chilled. America's was definitely like, what is going on? And it was in LA as well, right? So it, it just, you know, I'd only been to LA once for a couple of days. So I was like, this is insane. Do you remember that shoot we did in the reservoir? That's those sort of, I guess, what are they called? The, the levees? That, that yeah. With the cars and the, you know, those old sort of, you know, American cars and all those guys, the sort of coolly looking guys with the tattoos and what have you and the smoke machines. That was a lot of fun. It was always completely off the hook. I remember that. It was just, you know. It was crazy, but I I, I wish that, I, I, I wish I could kind of do it now. Well, I, I don't, I don't think I would ever go back and do it. But, but like, I wish now with knowing like, this sounds very corny, but like knowing me and knowing all that, like when you're 21, 20, 18, anywhere between that, you, I, I hadn't got a clue what was going on. I just, I didn't, you know, it, it, it was all very, very overwhelming and very, and I wish I could have kind of enjoyed the photo shoots more. I, I think, okay, you know, when they say like, if you've got good self-esteem and, and, and you feel good about yourself, Dan von Furstenberg, I just <laughs> was reading up on her quotes. It's like, you know, you've got to be your, your best friend, like you've got to look after you. And I think that when you're doing reality television, you are so in your own head about everything, everything. Like you might, you might have come on set and smiled and not made eye contact with someone. And that girl's like, oh my God, I'm going home tonight. Like we were on a psychotic level mm. of, um, of in, in our mental state. It's, it's interesting. So I wish now, I think now it'd be kind of enjoyable, but, um, but starting, I, I was just- right, Sorry, hang on, sounding mildly abusive at, at the, hands of, <laughs> the hands of people like this terrifying sort of balding English, <laughs> Sitting behind a desk, who, oh, who God, have, no. is a make or break your career. Like, oh my God, um, would that would I tell? Let me ask you both a question because I can't. There's a limit to how much I can sit here and listen to you two talk about American sex model. <laughs> After a bit, it becomes a bit like um, becomes a bit. I mean, I, I Nige just I'm reminded of every time I see him, and I've never and I've never actually watched it. Would would a show like that, right, in its format that you guys, so when you were doing it, would it be acceptable, the things that were said and the, the format and, the, and the, thing, the way it was shot and the things that were said and the way the girls were treated, would it be acceptable tomorrow to, 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 to do, the, do the same again? Probably not in the same way, no. I doubt it in the same way. I mean, look, the world is constantly changing and television yeah. is changing. And I think that to some extent, you know, that there are things that, that in general, just in, in the worlds of reality television and the way contestants are, even those sorts of shows don't really play in the same way as they, you know, did then as they do today. But what, um, would, you, what would you, so, so I'll ask, ask you both, you can probably answer this question. What, so what, in, in the old format, the way you shot it when you were both doing it, right? Um, what, what, the things that you wouldn't be allowed to do today, what, what do you feel is missing? What do you feel that actually is a pity you're not able to kind of like, should we ask the judge first or should we ask a judge? judge. I, I, I can go. I mean, as far as you're asking what what they didn't do or what they did do. 
No, so sort of what you know today. So tomorrow, you know, today, what, what can't what can't you film that that you were doing, but you feel actually it's a bit of a pity that you can't do it now. I don't know that it's so much of a pity. I, I think that it's one of those things though where. You know, the, one of the sort of extraordinary things is the way that, you know, on, on Top Model, people li literally just spoke their mind a lot in the judging panel. They could, would say things and say you know, what have you. And, and I think that, that there is, there's elements where, you know, things weren't nece aren't necessarily always like, politically correct or what have you. And, and, you know, and I think that there's an element of, you know, you know the world changing in, in general, everyone being a bit more woke in general and understanding about what the world is like and about... Yeah, you know, just being fair in general. And I didn't think it was deliberate by any stretch. I think it was just the times as well. Like people, you know, we were, show that top model was also responsible for a lot of extraordinary things and doors being open for for all kinds of people, you know, constantly. Uh, you know, but I feel too that there there were times when things were said and things were done. Maybe where you know, I'm like, oh, how has that played out? But it's also it's interesting when you see the edit of the show. It isn't always necessarily how you felt it it was happening when you were there in real time, right? Because it's you're there for judging can take six hours or something crazy, mm. and then it's boiled down to fifteen minutes, and you also you're like and, and then you, you get to watch it six months later, you know. So <laughs> when you try and think back about what happened, it is hard to kind of put it into in, into perspective sometimes. I, I did. Did you what did you did you enjoy it? I mean, did you? Like if you look, because what you're, the way you're describing it, you know, they're trying to sort of sit there and, you know, get your point across, get get someone, and it's quite, you know, it's a small victory to be able to get someone to come to your room and take you downstairs to the bar and get you a drink. Right. You know, it's a big, it's a small, but, you know, important, important moment. It's it but just by the telling of that story, it kind of sounds like, you know, it was your sort of, you're in a position where, you're, you, you know, you locked in a hotel room for a week, and actually, you, 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 well, when you say locked in a hotel, you're locked in a hotel room for a week. And actually, the original you know, quarantine. Well, you don't know, you, know, you don't know what's going on, and your one small little thing of like control about you know is getting one thing that you want, whereas the rest of it sounds a little bit kind of like. Um, I mean, did did you enjoy looking back? Does it give you happy feelings? I mean, or or, or, or do you think you know, crikey? I mean, you know. Actually, cool. I'm not sure I enjoyed that very much. I mean, genuinely, did you enjoy it or not? Hand on heart, I'd only have to be honest, I loved it. I Absolutely. loved it. I loved the scale of it. I loved where we traveled, who we met, the things we were doing. Like, I I, I was very lucky that I don't think I, yeah, we were terrified. Like, if you shoot with a judge or Nigel, you're terrified. Like, you know, and then they psych you out a bit and like, but I genuinely, I think also maybe because I did the first one and I was so in my head, I was a lot more free and just like, you're lucky to be here. It was a bit more living in that. So I, I loved, loved it. it. And also, I, I, I've, oh, sorry, go on. No, I thought you were going to say, well, the judge like knives. I mean, how can you not love it? But you were like, well, the judge like knives. It was terrifying, but everything else, I loved it. <laughs> no, no, well, they kind of make it so that no one seems human, like as in, you're so removed from everyone that like the judges aren't even human and you know and, and it's all this kind of and i remember we did um this fucking awful shoes on the top of this bloody tower uh and i With me. yes and i, I hate to, heights I, well, you know that i'm terrified of heights no i didn't know that no, i'm absolute i've always been my entire life i have a complete fear of heights i'm terrible with heights tom is he lying so i had no, to I had, to, I had to go up 
beforehand. And like, you have no idea how terrified I was to be outside on the highest tower in Macau, which is the highest bungee, was at the point at the time, the highest bungee jump in the world or something stupid. And I was up there outside on the tower in the worst weather, in a storm, no less. Tom, it was a storm. Crazy. It was, and I actually heard, I overheard production being like, oh, they were shutting this for the public because it's so unsafe. But like somebody gave the, I won't name the name. Somebody on production was like, yes, we're fine. They can go out there. And I heard that and was like, what? Are you sure it wasn't just at the moment? There's a little bit of drizzle and lights just clutch. Oh, it was awful. It was horrific. I had like the cameras and everything was strapped to my hands in case I dropped them and they went falling down like all the way to the ground from the top of this crazy tower. You know, so, and you were like, I was slipping. I was on the tower. And if I oh, slipped, don't, a, bungee don't. Jump, a bungee jump thing stuck to my back. So if I did fall, I would have been bungee jumping off. And I was just like sweating bullets, you know, thinking I've got to get this shoot done. And I just remember these poor girls thinking, and I had to be brave. I had to act like, oh no, I'm as cool as a cucumber. You were amazing. Is that why you didn't, is that, yeah, but you said you, you didn't enjoy it. So it was a mixture of the storm and also very, very unrelaxed, uptight. Do you know what? The, the funny thing is, is that all of these things also made for the show to be great, right? So. You know, <laughs> what did you go? I was an absolute no, yeah. Well, I just mean that. I don't mean that so much. I just mean like the pressure was on me too, right? It wasn't just yeah. you guys. I was like, and also as a photographer, you're like, you need to get good pictures. So it wasn't just, oh, the girls, whatever. Like I was always, you know, never always thought I have to make sure that you guys were in good shape, that you were happy. Otherwise I was never going to get a good picture of you. And, you know, and I'm thinking I need to make sure that I get it the best shot possible. So I was never trying to you know, create something that was going to be really bad or awkward. So that's another thing that I was trying to calm down thinking, okay, inside. But, I, but it also that all that pressure leads to some sort of magic happening. Without the pressure, sometimes you don't, you know, you're not going to, push things to an extreme you're not going to have that sort of boiling point moment where sort of magic can either happen or, or it can be all all downhill right so and I guess that's what oftentimes reality shows in general are teetering on is that moment of you know is it a, an explosion or is it a dream is it a fantasy or is it like a disaster you literally I love the idea that you're you basically describe it's like you're, you're describing love making but sort of applying it to fact Television. I mean, it's, I've never seen it. I've never heard anything like it. Anyway, sorry, Sophie, carry on. Sorry, what you about to say? Not this is like. This is too much. It's just like this. Oh. Oh, I'll move it on. But it was basically. It, I was shitting myself, and this one was actually very human and very kind, and gave me a hug. And I left <sighs> that shoot, and I shook for forty-eight hours. <laughs> I was so scared that I just like shook, but um, but no, we got, we, I mean, oh, this is what I was gonna say. So actually we, we went to Hong Kong and that was my first time to Southeast Asia and I just fell in love. I think that was part of the reason I loved doing the experience so much. I just thought Asia's the coolest. I was so lucky, like afterwards I had a travel show out there. I've been back so many times, like, but I really have a have a have a thing for Asia. So that so the traveling wise as well, like, and some of these girls on the show didn't even one of them didn't even have a bloody passport. So like you know, it really does open up these amazing, um, yeah, amazing opportunities. But I think now back to your kind of question, I reckon, um, 
yeah i don't i don't know i don't know if it would fly now you know i think uh, but i don't know i don't know they're still, they're still trying it in holland are they they said where are is they? it still, franchise still exists so doesn't it it does exist in certain parts of the world, but it, the show has the name, but it's different depending on where the world in the where in the world it is. So, you know, and I've done numerous different types of America's Next Top Model in different parts of the world. You know, whatever, like Finland's Next Top Model, Britain's Next wow. Top Model, Australia's Next Top Model, New Zealand's Next Top Model, Germany's Next Top Model, England's Next Top Model. You know, you just got. I mean, whatever. There were just so many different styles and types. I think it was fifty different countries had the have the franchise. So it's it was uh, there was you know you could do it almost anywhere. They even you know various countries in Africa had it. South Africa's next top model and all the rest of it. So and they all put their own spin on it depending on mm. what makes sense locally and what makes sense for them and you know and all the rest of it. So it's not exactly the same. The general template is there. Um, so, but I think it, it, it's, it's less that. I think it's just also shows where you're judging people on sort of looks and things in general is changed. Like, even if you look at the Miss World pageants and the Miss Universe pageants, things are changing in, in how they do those things because they're sort of not they're politically correct to do that right anymore, you know, so. Oh my God, I judged less, one of those pageants. Less, sorry, unless you're a fucking ice skater, in which case oh. you're fucked. They're not doing that, right? I mean, come on, seriously, it's never going to die. There's judging people as or synchronized swimming or diving. Uh, well, hang on a minute. There are so many things that people judge people on. I love the idea that these are all going to be banned because it's sort of work to work on. You well, know, well, obviously, something like that, you're judging a skill set where someone jumps off. But when you judge someone's the way they look, they're like, are you skinny and pretty? That, and then let me it. like tear that no. apart. It's not the same yeah, as diving in a certain order into the yeah, water. Well, but hang on, hang on, crikey! I, I'm, I'm it's literally I'm about to do something I never thought I'd do. I'm about to actually defend this whole concept of kind of more. You <laughs> being skinny and pretty is there are good. I'm really, really going in here. Hang on. There are there are good models and there are bad models. Some people can model well. Some people can model aren't so good, you know? And um, it is, it's, it's, I wouldn't go so far as maybe, I don't know, knives might contradict me calling it a skill, but there are definitely, you know, there are people who, who kind of, you know, Kate Moss, right? Girl from South London, she's got something that works for a huge number of people, otherwise, have, you know, she wouldn't have, you know, it's, it's something that's more than, um, someone that you've never heard of that dropped off the thing that was in the set, you know. The, the set. So, so it's not, you know, it's not. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I literally just defend, just defended modelling, which I, <laughs> that is a first and almost certainly last. Other than the fact that I'm, I enjoyed that. Like, I, I, I just wanted to remain silent and let, hear you say all that. I, that all, I'm going to take that clip and just put it on rerun. You know, he's he's basically been slamming my whole top model career my entire since we've you know known each other. For the no, past no, no, no. I'm never slamming it. I'm sitting on the stand. Well, no, at the same time, he has a headshot of mine on his piano that he looks at every night. <laughs> plays the piano. True, true story. Tom, what did you say when Nigel got top model? Were you like, what is this? The awful thing is, I've never watched it, and I don't. I, I don't think. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> No, and, and so A and B, I, I, I probably, if I don't understand, I'll try and ask him what it is. I've done this before with him about fashion. I've asked him questions about fashion, about, about photographers, about models and all the rest of it. And he's never been able to explain um, why fashion matters to me. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a different podcast. You're wearing a shirt that I gave you like a decade ago and you wear it every episode and you still wear it. it may... You know why? It's, got why it's hard to explain that fashion... Pop of buttons. It's really pop easy. Pop buttons. It's very easy. It's like one of those baby girls. Do you watch... Tom, do you watch any... Have you got any guilty pleasure TV? I don't watch television. I don't know. That's I don't watch... What happened with my co-host, Sophie. I have someone who has no idea who anybody is. So when I had them on the show, they, he has no clue. And he literally is like, I love it. ask any impertinent question. I'm basically this, I'm currently watching television. I've got my, my broken, cracked iPad on a kind of stand in my kitchen. And I'm looking at it. And this is about the nearest I get to what you would describe as television. Tom is a, is a tough farmer from Oxford. And that's it. You know. That's my people. They're my people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Come see us. I just deviated from the flock for a little bit, but they're still my flock. There you go. So look, Sophie, it's almost we've had you for almost an hour here. Oh my I, god. I know. Time has flown by. I feel like we could be <laughs> go down a rabbit hole and just chat away. Uh, I'm gonna need another cocktail in a minute. But you're onto a whole bunch of different things. I mean, we've talked about obviously your top model career and all the rest of it, but right now you're hosting, you're doing, you know, you're on Daily Front Row. You, are you an editor at Daily Front Row? What is your role there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do some occasional articles. I do a lot of like, uh, I'll do a lot of stuff at Instagram, like interviews and stuff um, and lives. Um, but um, you're a great interviewer, yeah. by the way. I love your style. I've been watching your interviews and you. I listen. did Coco. You did Coco. She's fantastic. You've done lots of people. I mean, all kinds of great people. I, and you I got Diane von Furstenberg lined up for this week or tomorrow. Tim Gunn later this week as well. We got making the cut. Yeah, no, it's cool. You know what's funny is like after I, I kind of flitted around after Top Model. Like in all honesty, I've flitted around a lot and did a lot of kind of a lot of partying, a lot of going out, a lot of just like so on clear of what I wanted to do I think there was like a, there was a big thing of like I'm not good enough for the industry and like New York modeling Tom is not like Oxford it is very worlds apart from my flock in Oxford and I just wasn't sure that I quite like fit there so I've always kind of struggled and it's so interesting as I got older things just became clearer and I was like okay I'd really you know um I do love doing tv like let's do more of this um these are lots of people that i've known for years the daily front row that that's my main thing it's sticking with the flock of people that i've kind of I keep saying flock sorry <laughs> it's like sticking with people that i know and love and want to work with i don't you know so like um so i'm yeah amazon daily front row and then um during lockdown i managed to get my confidence up and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give acting a go which is i i you know i, I love sets I love film sets um and in May this year uh, I went up to Vermont and shot a horror film which wow. was really fun and very and really cool and like super indie and everyone I just you know everyone collaborated together and we all did this thing we're working like 20 hour days I might have to start watching I might have to go and watch something if you tell me what it's called I'll try and find it well they're editing it right now but when it comes out Tom you can come and watch it in here in New York. There you Excellent. go. Oh, yeah. yeah. I and may it's... murder people. Wow. <laughs> um, so you, yeah, you, weren't, so... you weren't typecast at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually play an influencer. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yoga. I don't do yoga, but I'm a yoga influencer. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's cool because I think when when I started modeling, it was like you're a model, you're an actress, you're a this, you're a that, and it, you know, bish bash bosh. There's this thing called Instagram, Tom. You know Instagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, he's on Instagram. That's like a, has, so, never done a post. And he has 72 followers and he was upset oh. because he had 69 followers for ages and he was really upset when it changed. I might oh. get rid of people all that long. Yeah, you should like do a kind of like top model and kick two of them out. <laughs> you are not my friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, so on um, when Instagram happened, I think it really opened things up for a lot of people to be able to, you know, so many people do so much now. Um, so I think um, if, 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 if we're talking about it, uh, here we go, you kind of get my, uh, my, my life goals, but I, uh, I'm slowly kind of going into the movies and I would love to do, I'd love to be a like mama bad uh, film producer. So I've got some, I've got three film. I did acting in that one, but I've got a few things uh, coming where I'm going to kind of start and be on production and, and learn things and um so yeah, so it's cool. It, it, you know what? This sounds really weird, but I feel like when, when you do modeling, everything you get your schedule the night before at six o'clock, and everything's very quick. And you know, Instagram came along, and we have to do things quickly, and we must, you know, all this. And and I just, I think, especially during the pandemic, I was like, I, I was kind of making decisions very, to, you know, what what can I do that content, or what can I do for this, and not really figuring out what I wanted to do. If that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think I just kind of put the brake on a bit and slowed down. And so I'm, I'm doing this online course, you know, doing these kind of indie films and not feeling like I have to go in at a hundred. Like it's like the baby working steps of life, the journey, instead of just like, oh, I need to be here now, you know? And that's been um, super fun. Well, you're super so fun. Oh my God, I sound so American. That was super <laughs> fun, guys. <laughs> You know what? It's, you only have to be in New York for like 24 hours before it comes out. I know. Just upon landing. Normally when I go to the UK, everyone's like, God, you're so American. And I'm like, meanwhile, the whole time I'm here, everyone's like, you're so English. Yeah, so it's, like, oh, do you know the Queen? I'm like, no. I actually have tea with her every day. Yeah, exactly. Look, before she we has, she has go, gin and tonic. She, has she does have gin and tonic. She has her own gin. Yeah. With berries and botanicals from the Royal Gardens, people. Charles's favourite is a martini. I have my sauces. There you go. A martini. <laughs> Shaken or stirred? Sorry, I don't know that one. <laughs> don't know. <Definitely. laughs> but good one. <laughs> um, look, before we let you go, we have something called Last Orders. It's a sort of rapid-fire question kind of moment. Pretty simple, pretty easy stuff. Are you ready? Deep breath. I'm ready. There you go. You may need a little powder on the nose, but I think you're fine. Um, <laughs> easy one, first of all. Who's your favourite judge on America's Next Top Model? Oh. Oh, you know what? That Kelly was so... Actually, Kelly had me for Thanksgiving, Nigel. Didn't see my invite from you for Thanksgiving. Uh, Poor little uh, Brit, Nigel. all on her own. Yeah, Nigel, fuck you, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. No, right. it was Nigel. That's he fucking answer. Oh, that's Definitely so good. Oh, no. Good night. Fuck you. Kelly. All right. Next question. Come on. That was, so, well, that was too good. Thank you for that. So, yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. Wow. no I'm going to go back. No, I'm going to go back. Go on. Next one, Nigel. Come on. Another loaded question. <laughs> go, Rob. Okay. Here we go. If you had to identify as a kitchen utensil, which one would it be? 
Oh, oh, you know what? I think like a, a spoon. A spoon. A spoon. <laughs> and why? <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of feel I've got spoon vibes going on. I don't know. I'm kind of like spoons, like you know, a knife and a fork. They're quite intimidating. They're quite sharp. It's quite like you know aggressive. A spoon is like you kind of. You, you cool, like cool chick who's like, oh, you want to put me in boiling hot water to like pop out your egg? Cool. I'll just crack open your egg for you, but no violence is necessary. Wow. <laughs> you took it to a whole new level. I love that question. That's a new keeper. That's brilliant. Um, or, all right. Um, what floats your boat or what gets your goat? Uh, <laughs> spoons float my boat. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, floating my boat. Oh, I know, life in, life in general, happy times, good times, being outside, friend times, you know, pub times, all those kind of things. So they're definitely my floaties. Uh, gets my goat. Um, takes a lot to stress me out, actually. Um, I don't know, when the printer gets jammed, that's kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> You can't, you can't, you can't ruffle her feathers. That's for sure. Okay, here's a good one for you. In the movie of your life, who would you have play you? I mean, I would love it to be Sophia Loren, but I feel like it's kind of weird casting because <laughs> she's like sexy and voluptuous and really cool, and I'm not. So I'd probably be someone a little bit more awkward, I guess. So I, I would like a '60s siren of some sort, but who would I have play me? Oh, I guess do they need? I think from maybe, um, I don't know. Can I not play myself? I feel like I'm at the right age. Sure. Yeah. Oh, Je or, or Jessica Lang. I love Jessica Lang. No, you play yourself. No, you can play yourself. You know. And then, yeah. And then, and then, obviously, Helen Mirren would be my. You know, would play me as I'm older. You know, I met Helen. Did I tell you this? No. Grandmother. So, Sorry, it's about top model. I really apologize. But like, I so I met Helen at an after party for a film, and um, she had pink hair on the BAFTA red carpet. And I went up and I was like, I'm Sophie. Because on the BAFTA red carpet, they were like, Why did you do pink hair? And she was like, There was this very, I have pink hair, Tom, on the show. And she was like, There was this very charming girl that had pink hair called Sophie on America's Next Top Model. So I did my hair pink. So when I met her in person, I was like, I'm Sophie. And she was like, Dad, I must have a selfie. So I've got a selfie with Helen. Amazing. That's so funny. My God, you actually inspired a leading actress. Helen, a dame. Out. A dame, no less. Amazing. That's so funny. You are in the presence of royalty, you guys. <laughs> Don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Rubbing off. All right. And final question. Shaken or stirred, Sophie? Oh, shaken, not stirred. Shaken. Not stirred even. There you go. Sophie Sumner, people. America's next on moral, but way more, way more, honey. My God, so much to go. We can't wait to see your film. Let us know when it's out. Do we have a name yet? Yeah, Killington. Killington. Killington, everyone. Look out for Killington. And uh, it's at Sophie Sumner 8. What's the 8 about? Oh man, I'm really bad. I'm I'm really bad with technology. I think it might be an Oxford thing. So I lost all my passwords, and so I have Sophie Sumner, but it's I can't get into it. So we're eight now. <laughs> literally, literally edit that and don't put that out because otherwise everybody will have your password for everything. <gasps> no, no, no. That's her account name, Tom. That's, it's okay. at Sophie Sumner eight. 
And that's why right. I asked. Thank God. Well, that, well, thank God you don't listen to me when it comes to technology. I just. Uh, yeah. We would yeah. be like three blind mice leading three blind mice. Well, no, did, Nigel's really good. We can yeah, love him. I'm likes, terrible. Right. He, likes, he, he likes blundering headlong into the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> that's, another, that's another podcast altogether, Tom. Um, I so, can't wait to listen to the after hours podcast that you guys are going to have. It's going to be great. So once you've done the interview, then you do like 10 tequilas, then you do another podcast. And that's where it's really shaken, all shaken up. It's called. Cool. That's called shaken and slurred. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of love. <laughs> Take care, my love. Bye. Soon. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken and Stirred. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.